Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf, Shil Kapadia, here at the Novacare Complex. And the question is, are you happy, Sheil, with the demeanor of our fan base? With the Birds with Friends fan base? Yes. No, I'm not seeing a lot of fight. I mean, when adversity hits and you're not in the top 50 of Apple Podcasts, you can either lay down and take it or you can show some fight. And frankly, I'm seeing a little bit of both. I'm not seeing a lot of comments. I'm not seeing a lot of reviews. Seeing an occasional response on Twitter, not good enough. I'm not going to call out anybody in particular, but I think that's, I think that's right. You know, when your back is up against the wall, that's when you find out who you want to be fighting with. I mean, I would say the biggest difference between this year's fan base and last year's is. And I don't, why, why, I don't want to talk about last year. I'm sick and tired of talking about last year. Well, it's habits. You know, you had guy, you had veterans listening. They knew how to leave those comments, those reviews, how to juice those stats so that when you click on the charts, you're up there. Listen, every every year is different, but if you're asking me my honest opinion, that's what I'm seeing this year. Well, and you know, there's a part of you that has to wonder whether getting to the mountaintop last year has taken away a bit of the want to in this fan base, you know? Have you tasted success and decided, eh, you know, maybe I don't need to do uh, the extra comment here, the extra review there, the extra evangelizing to your friends. Maybe you think I can, I can sort of take a playoff, and we'll, you know, somebody else will pick up the slack on my account. That's no, those are not championship habits. Nope. Well, and here we are. Uh, coming up on the show today, we will talk a little bit about some uh, comments in the locker room by Malcolm Jenkins about the team's demeanor. We'll talk about Mike Groh, who I think is a particularly under fire from uh, certain portions of the fan base right now. We heard from him and Jim Schwartz today. And uh, a little bit about the the uh, exciting Rams-Chiefs game last night and how that colors our perception of the Seagulls team. And then we will close with a very brief to Kenyu. Can't wait. All right. Uh, why don't we start with, with Malcolm Jenkins since that is uh, what we started with. He, uh, do you want to take us through your reading of, of what he said? Well, he said that he didn't see enough fight from the Eagles on Sunday against the Saints. And to my, um, from my perspective, that's the first time we've heard a coach or a player kind of call out that specific, whether you want to call it effort, fight, whatever, just sort of, he said, you know, you can either uh, you can either lay down or you can fight when you're getting your butt kicked, basically, and he said uh, he saw a little bit of both, so uh, it was a call-out, it was a call-out of the team, 
of the team's performance. He said he didn't like the demeanor, and that's what kind of bothered him the most on Sunday, the demeanor of the team when things were getting out of hand. And my read is, you know, last week you had Jason Kelsey going on a 10-minute speech about Uh, accountability. I believe they are directly connected. You had a, you had him talking about accountability for ten minutes um, as a leader of the team, and what was funny is that day uh, I think it was Tim McManus then went up to <clears throat> Jenkins and said, you know, Kelsey said this, and Jenkins was like, well, that you know that's his opinion. He's watching the offense more. Uh, I'm watching the defense. Uh, I haven't noticed that as the issue, but he wasn't you know blasting him. And then a week later, uh, you know, Jenkins just seemed totally different than he was last week. Um, so that performance on Sunday obviously had a, a profound effect on him. And if you're looking for a sign <laughs> that uh, this team is going to put it together, they did not exist at the NovaCare complex to me. It looks like quite the opposite. It looks like a team spiraling, uh, spiraling down very quickly and a season that could just completely fall apart and have a lower floor than I anticipated. That's my read on it. Now, it's important to contextualize that this was a emotional game for Malcolm Jenkins going back to New Orleans uh, against the team that he used to play with. He, he said as much. And also, you know, seeing a bunch of defensive backs go down probably uh, colored his emotional level in that game. But um, I think it's, I mean, these are two of the captains of the team. These are the guys who are a part of that leadership council. And uh, for them to both be calling out their teammates on the respective side of the ball. Jenkins said he would not speak to the offense. He was only watching the defense. Although, you know, I don't... When it comes to demeanor, I think it's fair to, to say that maybe there is something reading between the lines as to as to what he saw from the offense. What do you mean? I don't know. If the guys are on the sidelines uh, yucking it up or... Uh, their their reaction, individual reactions to the way the game is going on the sidelines. You can tell that whether no matter what side of the ball it is, it's not like he needs to watch the tape to to see that. That's true. He he was he did clarify though and say he was talking uh, about the offense. Then Zach Ertz, well, you know, this is what happens when someone makes a comment yep. and you ask other people about it. Zach Ertz was asked about it. Um, he said he doesn't see that on the offensive side of the ball. He felt like everyone was fighting to the end and trying to be aggressive and uh, trying to win the game. So, I don't know. I don't know. And I think this is, um, you know, part and parcel with uh, evaluating Doug Peterson's job as a, as a head coach. I mean, uh, dealing, with, dealing with success, repeating success, is the, this year's job for Doug Peterson is a, is a different job than it was last year, you know. Uh, getting guys to all be buying in and uh, giving up their ego in service of uh, something greater than themselves is is probably much easier the first time. Uh, and then once you've tasted success, of course, this is like you know the the disease of more that that everybody talks about. But uh, it's a different job, and I think the however you want to say. The uh, injuries have affected the roster, the actual roster construction. Uh, it's fair to say that uh, the, the full buy-in is not 
probably there as much as it was last year. It's kind of like every cliche with the Super Bowl hangover team has hit them. I know. It feels it feels a little... But it does. But, yeah. but I think it's accurate, too. I mean, it's like regression in key areas, guys not being as hungry, veterans who performed last year, you kept, you know... And I think part of it is also that, you know, it, it tends to snowball a little bit, like, yeah. you know... The, I I I uh, am sick and tired of like you know if they won a, a couple of plays here a couple of plays there their record would be different but you know if they had won a couple of those games then I, I think uh, things maybe would not have begun to spiral quite so heavily maybe 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 not yeah okay it's interesting it, it was interesting because I didn't uh, just because yeah we haven't really heard that from. Uh, Oh, the fighting Frank Reich's just pouring salt in the Eagles' wound. Signing Josh Andrews off the Eagles' practice squad. Really? Oh, my gosh. Saying, hey, Josh, come join a winner over here in Indy. I'll tell you what, he's going he's gonna to have a big year, I bet. He's got, Frank's got the golden touch. Uh, what really struck out, I mean, stuck out was that uh, this Wasn't was... there a report, didn't Josh Andrews' agent say that he, when he was joining the Eagles practice <laughs> yeah. squad, he was promised to yeah. make the active roster in a couple weeks? promised, but yeah, he certainly, yeah. Uh, he certainly indicated that. So, I mean, the biggest thing to me was that this was a, a big change in sort of Jenkins' comments from a week ago. Yeah, Jenkins has all along been more of a, you know... We're a play away here, a play away there. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're still very together, much in it. Yeah. We're focusing on this week. And um, this was different. The frustrations kind of uh, boiled over, which, good. You flipped the, flip the bird on the locker room. You know what? Take a, take a, uh, yeah. take a final swing. Nothing else Go has down worked. fighting. Yeah, Nothing why not? Nothing else has worked. Take a swing. See how people respond. They might not respond well. Maybe they will. Who cares at this point? Yeah. True. I know that's right. Uh, defensively, I think the Eagles got uh, a little bit lucky injury-wise, it turned out. Yeah, how about that? Sounds like uh, only Jordan Hicks is guaranteed to miss this week. He is the week-to-week designation. Everybody else, given the day-to-day, although Avante Maddox was sort of hobbling through the locker room when uh, when I saw him. Okay. But uh, he and uh, Sidney Jones is probably going to miss this week as well. Well, I was really fearing that Avante Maddox is, might be like a, not a career ender, but a career a, changer. A career changer, yeah. And so uh, good for him that it looks like it's not that. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't yes. know if he'll play this week or not, but, they, you know, his season's not over or whatever. So uh, I think yeah, that's I mean, probably that the best a, news of any of them. If that had been honestly. a, you know, a torn ACL or something like that, you're looking at basically wiping next year clean at this point at yeah. this late juncture yes and it looked very bad at the time yeah. so that's probably i would say the best yeah injury news of any of them and they've got the uh resurgent Shermers coming oh, to right. town correct and so they will get a little bit more into that Maybe. during bdf radio one segment of <laughs> bwf radio for the three of you that actually care yeah exactly um how about the coordinators? I guess let's stick with the defense for now before we get into the uh, macro discussion of micro. Um, Jimmy Schwartz talked about uh, they had some success. With, what, what little success they had was from that uh, that three man rush, but whatever. <laughs> one, one third down stop. Yeah, two two third <laughs> down stop. That's legitimately what he was talking about, yeah. which he uh, which he acknowledged. Um, yeah, but no, he did say he was saying that like we try we had to try to do things yeah. differently in that game because of the personnel and who we were playing. He's like, if you play zone against Drew Brees, he's probably just going to pick you apart. 
so we played more man coverage. Um, you know, they yeah, they had the, the three-man rush with the six defensive backs, which they tried to trot out there. He said the run defense is what bothered him the most. He wouldn't point to a specific reason for that. Um, when he said that's kind of what bothered him the most. You know, though, with effort, he had, you know he did kind of call him out last week for not getting lined up on that Dak Prescott QB sneak. Right. And then today he had something else too, right? What did he say? It was a, He said on the one, I, I honestly can't even keep the Saints touchdowns. Right. Oh, yeah, there was one of the running was touchdowns. Was it a Mark Ingram touchdown? Maybe. He said it was a running touchdown where the guy just walked in, and that's the one that bothered him yeah. because they didn't communicate properly. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What is there to really take from it? Although, now you're facing Saquon Barkley this week, who's playing very well. Yep. So, well, Proving to be worth the number two overall pick. For the three and six, yeah, three and seven New York Giants. Right. Yeah, now they're not even. They might not even get that high pick to draft a quarterback. Well, so speaking of picks, I was thinking again about the Golden Tate trade because that's all I can do. <laughs> uh, and you know, one thing I didn't even I, I didn't even mention it, the giving up the third round pick. Say the Seagulls season spirals completely out of control, and they're looking at a uh, a top ten pick, mm. which I think is well within reach. You know, Howie Roseman has uh, proven that he likes to move up in the first round to, you know, find those guys. Now, all of a sudden, there's a little bit less draft equity to play with. Uh, And not only to use that third round pick to move up, but if you're going to use a second round to move up or or two second rounders to move up, you then have the third round pick that you can fall back on. So uh, all those dominoes affect the state of this roster. You know, if there was a, a, you know, surefire premium pass rusher or premium tackle or stud wide receiver you know now it's a it's a little bit harder and a little bit tougher to go up and and get that guy yeah i mean it's uh, it's, but at least at least golden tate has uh micro said been difficult to integrate into the offense yeah i mean i would almost compare it to like the idea of trading up for a backup tight end who doesn't who who gets targeted once over two games and zero catches yeah yeah that worked out well at least that one still has a little bit of life left. Does it? When When is this great two tight end offense? I mean, I would think in a season where you're terrible at offense and can't do anything personnel-wise and are having offensive line issues and red zone issues, I would think that might be a time to try that old two tight end offense a little bit. You would think. You're going to just move the chains and you're not getting anything downfield anyway. It might be a time to break it up. Well, listen, you know, as you it's watch... A, you know as you watch, not on Goddard. That, I mean, he absolutely could be helping them more than he is. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Makes no sense. I totally agree with that. Unbelievable. But, you know, it's, it's fine because you look, you know, you watch that Rams-Chiefs game last night. You see... Uh, all this speed on the field, all these guys oh running wide open. And, uh, you know, the Eagles have plenty of speed. You st- they've got guys uh, with steps on the defense all over the place. All right. We just mentioned like five different things that we should flush out a little bit more. Mike Rowe <laughs> is probably the first one. <clears throat> okay. What was the question? Has it been more challenging than you thought? To and he said not more challenging, but it has been challenging or something along those lines. I mean, <laughs> they just seem like a team with no plan. I mean, challenging, fine. Freaking Jason Garrett's, they're, they're incorporating a wide receiver better than you are. I mean, honestly, what does that say? Oh, okay, 
I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. All every story I've read about that is that Amari Cooper has helped them in all these different ways, and well, all their yeah. numbers are up, and still a stupid trade, but they got the guy on the field in a way that's helping them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been challenging. You got Garbanzo Beans on offense. The guy is a veteran. You told us that uh, there wasn't that much. He also he also plays a very specific role. It's not like yeah. Uh, it's not like you have to figure out how to use him. Yeah, they should call Ted Wynn. Give him some ideas. Should we? Should we email call Jim them? Bob Cooter? Should we email them that link? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I mean, that is a that is a snippet that is going to be uh, focused on from from Micro. The admission that it is it is difficult to uh, integrate him, but I mean, the truth is that that. The offense has not been very good this year. It's hard to know, to know how much to pin on him because it is still Doug Peterson's offense. It is still his uh, unit. But I'm not so sure. You know, do you, do you think that Mike Rowe will be here next year? You know, I asked him because I, I was curious. I, I asked him. You know, Doug said on Monday, which we didn't talk about that uh, Zach Berman asked a good question. He said, if there was one decision that you wish you could have had over. Unbelievable. He said he thought about going for it on the first fourth down, which, you know, there's a couple people killing me in the, uh, in the piece like, oh, this guy, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't subscribe to The Athletic for jabroni takes, sports radio takes, like uh, go for it on fourth and inches from your own uh, 20, whatever. That's the one Doug said that he thought about. He should have gone for it, first of all, but I was curious, did he dialogue with Mike Groh at all. You know, is he, is he, when he's making those decisions, does he care what Mike Groh thinks? Apparently not. Mike Groh said, uh, no, we, we didn't talk about that in, in the game. So, I mean, the play clock's running. you got to make a decision. But the fact that he's not even discussing that tells you that there's, you know, not complete trust with, with Mike Groh from Doug, Doug's perspective. I mean, not to bring up Fearless again. <laughs> But he, here's my big takeaway is that in his book, he's bragging about how, you know, we, we think about all these different scenarios leading up to game time. And so that way, when you're in the heat of the moment, you're not guessing and you've gone through the situations in your head. Like going into this game, did did they not have these discussions during the week of early on, if we face a fourth and four from the Saints 49, do we need to be aggressive there? I mean, wouldn't that come up if you're having those game situation type discussions at all? I feel like something that would yeah, but they. I mean, you have to understand they had a chance to flip the field. Flip the yeah. It looked like Andy and McVeigh were really worried about flipping the field. There were actually a couple fourth and short. McVeigh did last not night. call. McVeigh had some very questionable calls in the yeah. fourth, actually. <laughs> but you know what I mean. The overall, it's yes. like they're just like, all right, how are we going to score a forty-yard touchdown? Right. <laughs> and these guys are worried about flipping the field against a team that scores thirty-seven a game when you have four backups in the secondary. Like, what the hell? Yeah, is against going a on team here? that has a better offense than the two offenses we watched last night. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. So that I mean, I just don't understand. There's like this disconnect in terms of the preparation and game planning has been a joke this year. I mean, I'm not privy to. Uh, you know, it's not like Sean Payton and Peter King where Dougie's going to invite me into the uh, into the hotel suite on a Saturday night. But And I don't like to just do results over process, but that's all we have to go by. And the results are 
these game situation type things have not been good. And then you can't score in the first quarter. And you can't get the right guys on the field. And you can't get the right guys on the field. So I don't know. Those seem like some red flags to me that something is probably broken uh, with your process. Mike Gross said that he is he, he takes responsibility for not getting the right guys on the field. Well, Doug took I actually, responsibility. Oh, yeah, the I game. think he's actually fallen on the sword for that one. I think that's. I think we agree that that's a, a Gunter Brewer yeah. issue. I mean, isn't that the? What else are the position coaches doing during the game? Yeah. Telling they're saying who's supposed to be going on the field. Well, Mike Grow is the one who recommended Brewer, isn't he? Is he? I think that was the connection. I believe. Mm. Well, that's that's uh, the I biggest re- indictment on him yet. I mean, I think so. I don't. I thought that I felt confident that was the case, but now that I don't remember. You that don't remember it. Maybe I'll have to go back and check. Okay. Um, Mike Rowe looks a little beaten down, doesn't he? Season six. Yeah, but I mean, what do you expect? What's he going to come up, uh, show up like chipper no, in there? Not. Like I'm just like, I don't know. It's probably been a rough season with very little sleep and yeah, uh, it's a high pressure industry, and uh, all of that seems evident with him. Yeah, they should have interviewed his brother, Mac. He was asked about Frank Reich. I know. And I, uh, I mean, we love Frank. Yeah. It's hard. What what is Mike Groh going to say about, about, you know, are you Frank Reich? I think it's a hard question to answer, but a fair question to ask. Do you think that Josh McDaniels is the, is the, the most responsible person for the Seagull season? Yes. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, Zach Ertz then was asked the same Frank Reich, Mike Grow question. I don't know if you were there for that. I was not. I was talking to Brandon Graham. And he said, uh, well, first of all, Frank Reich, you know, Frank's one of the best coaches I've ever been around, one of the most special people, and um, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But we didn't, like, implement a new system. Like, the scheme is the mm-hmm. same. It's on execution, not coaching. All that. He did not go out of his way to say Mike Groh is doing a great job. So I don't know. I mean, read into it. I mean, it listen, everybody you know, everybody hits the Peter principle at some point, right? I think Mike Groh maybe has reached the uh, the level where he has been promoted to, where he is no longer qualified. Maybe. Maybe. He was a good wide receivers coach last year. He was. I mean, it seems, yeah, it seems like he was, considering what a disaster the wide receivers are this year. Yes. Okay. He does meet with Doug. He, he admitted finally right. that he does do those Saturday night meetings to go over the game plan. One hour. Mm-hmm. So we know that at least. What did you think of the Peter King piece? I think the Saints need a new uh, whoever that. Oh, that analytics. Yeah, they wow. need to they need to re, uh, overhaul that department because <laughs> like what a joke well, that was. It's it's hard to know whether uh, that's the kind of information they're that they're actually working on, or it's like that's the kind of thing that Peyton asks for, and then so they give it to him just to make him happy. Maybe, or maybe something got lost in translation with King reporting it. That's right. possible too. Yeah. Um, the Sidney Jones stuff was pretty interesting. I, I thought, thought that was very interesting because you would think that there are other bigger holes oh, in all the over the place. Like, I mean, I know he's coming off an injury. You know, like, how about like, throw at Rasul Douglas? Like. Or uh, who else was even on the field? Yeah, or like anytime, anytime Blank. Trayvon Hester's on the Bowsby, field. But those guys McGill. weren't; those they weren't they weren't slated to start, so they wouldn't have been okay. formulating the game plan with well, them. Who in was mind. starting? Jones, Douglas, oh, and Maddox, right? Okay. And Corey Graham, you know, you right. could say. 
but yeah, I mean, the way he wrote it was they were just like, kill, go kill 22. It's unbelievable. Right. It's interesting. Very interesting. And I mean, they were right. He didn't hold up. Like No. And the first play of the game, they ran at him and he, he didn't make a tackle. Yeah, he missed a tackle. Yeah. That's it. That was interesting and I think a little bit worrisome. Because if you think about this, the future of this defense, <laughs> yeah. he's supposed to be like one of the few blue chip young players. Yeah, supposed to be. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, let him play three games in a row first. That's what I've been saying all along. Okay. Okay. That was interesting, but yeah, I thought the other uh, their defensive thing about like, I don't know. It 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 was interesting that he was like put the game on Wentz because like he probably wouldn't say. Put the game on. Let's go in and put the game on Rogers. Right. Uh, so that was interesting. It was but, interesting, but, but I thought it was, was less weird. so. Yeah. It was weird when he throws. What was it between three hundred eight and like three hundred sixty four passing yards or something like that? Like what yeah. a very specific odd. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that like, uh, like mouth breathing uh, people who make fun of analytics. Pretend that analytics is about. Like, yeah, you know, it's like the jokes, like, "Oh, are you, he's batting uh, three seventy five on uh, Tuesdays in the afternoon yeah, on right. the, the year of a presidential election." <laughs> like that's yeah. precisely the opposite. Of, I would love uh, to read but, a story about how many unqualified people are just uh, in these positions. Yeah, and what is that? What like if he throws for three sixty five, then you're in trouble. But three sixty four, right. you're good. Right. Three oh seven. All right. Um, but I mean, even with that, it's like, I don't know. There's no one like, you're not going to go in there being like, we got to stop Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood. Right. Like, what is he going to say? I mean, I guess it would have been interesting. I would expect probably some version of let's take Ertz out of the game or because they kind of did do that. Right. Um, or, uh, well, yeah, because I mean, what was he going to say? Like, yeah, (laughs) the the game was going to be on Carson Wentz anyway. Yeah. So. I don't know. I didn't come away from it thinking he, that Peyton thought Carson Wentz was like a great quarterback. No, I mean, you, you would think that <laughs> yeah. if he thought he was great, they wouldn't have said that. Right. I don't know. I th- uh, do you feel like your uh, macro opinion of Carson Wentz has, has changed at all? Uh, I don't think. Uh, macro, probably not. I mean, there may, there's probably like, I would say maybe there's whatever my percentage of doubt was at... Uh, mm-hmm. Weeks ago is probably maybe inched up a little bit, but not uh, overwhelmingly. I would say that, I, yeah. I still believe he's going to be a great quarterback for the franchise for a long period of time. I would say I am no longer fully convinced that he is the best young quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL, which I was convinced of. I think he's still, you know, the reason for hope. But yeah. it's tough to watch Patrick Mahomes and not... Uh, consider the possibility that, that he might be better or I still wouldn't take uh, Goff, but I will admit that he looked he's, Finally, he's been looking huh? pretty good. What was it? The dime he threw down the right sideline in crunch time? Was that the one that got you? That was beautiful. That was a nice throw. <laughs> I mean some, All right, you've come uh, around some bad Finally. defense. I'm not I'm not uh really you know unwrapping the popsicles over here but I mean this is whoever wrote that article about how McVeigh's in his ear like Goff's agent should like have that guy like beat yeah. down. It's uh, I feel like that's just shaped how everybody views him. But you know, I think the evidence is pretty different this year. Yeah, especially. I think he's pretty good. Okay. 
I don't know. I'm going to dig into some uh, Wentz numbers when we're done here and uh, and see what the differences are. Obviously, he didn't play well last game. Kind of look at what's different about him this year than last year. Are there causes for concern? All of that. Well, we don't have too much more to talk about. Is it, what else? What else do you want to hit on? Uh, well, what did you think about that game last night in relation to how you view the Eagles? I mean, we have talked. It's a little bit unfair because these are two of the three best offenses in the league, and we just saw the other one on Sunday. And we know that the Eagles are a bad offense. They're what twenty second in DVOA or something like that. Yeah. I think uh, Aaron Schatz tweeted out they're twenty second in all three categories. Um, but it it underscores the same thing we've been talking about all year long is that like there are these offenses where guys are running free uh, either because of dynamic speed or you know really nice scheme and play design and just every single thing for this Eagles offense looks so difficult um, and there's you know the Eagles are playing a different sport right now than than was played on Monday Night Football. What do you think of the next gen stat? It's like uh, separation at time of catch, and so these guys were the chips, and so you can see like when a guy caught the ball, right? Who was the nearest defender? Not imperfect. I mean, not perfect by right. any means, but kind of gives you a sense of who's thrown to guys who are covered in tight windows and who's not. I think uh, I think it it tells a story, especially from a quarterback perspective. Okay, Uh, probably not as much on an individual wide receiver perspective, uh, but over the course of the season, when things uh, become a little bit more statistically significant, I'm I'm interested in it at least. Which quarterback do you think is throwing to receivers with the the who are the the most, most open, who have the most space? At the time of the catch, does that make sense for the listeners? I would guess. Did I describe that? Properly? I think you did. I think you did. Okay. I would guess. I would guess Goff. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here in a second, but it is not Goff. By the way, this will be in my uh, Athletic Philadelphia piece either by the time you hear this, or certainly by uh, Wednesday. It is not Goff. Do you have another guess? By the way, we have a we have a bit of a market penetration issue uh, with the Athletic. Okay, what Ra- does that mean? Rachel was uh, uh, taking a lift last night. Okay. And uh, was having a discussion with the, the lift driver. And the lift driver uh, was asking her, you know, how they came to Philadelphia. She explained because, you know, her her husband or future husband lived here. You know, what does he do? Well, he used to work for the Eagles. And, and the guy's like, oh, what's his name? And, and she's like, uh, Bo Wolf. And the guy slammed on the brakes, she said. Wow, and really? Said, and said, you're married to Bo Wolf? Oh, nice little humble brag here. And okay. then, All right. well, yeah, and she said, yeah, he's back. He's writing about, writing about uh, the Eagles again. And he's like, I had no idea. He said, well, do you know about Sheil? And she said, and he, and he said, yeah, I used to love Sheil, but he left, he left to cover the Seahawks oh, and the ESPN. We got it. We, these, these are our layups. That's not good. We got to get a billboard out or something. All right. So, where do you think Carson Wentz ranks in this stat? Uh, I would say, I would guess that he ranks uh, in the bottom third. No. Really? Ranks third overall according to this metric. Really? 
that crazy or what? That's interesting. 3.61 separation at the time of catch. At the time of throw, he ranks first. 4.25 yards on average, this says. I don't know what to make of that. Me neither. It does not pass the smell test. No. So I'm going to dig in a little bit. And deeper. it's not like he's throwing to a lot of running backs because you would think check that. Check downs yeah. And, yeah, and the flats. Yeah. Hmm. You know what? I think I can break it. To, uh, I don't know if I can do that, actually. I may be able to break it down by position group. I wonder if you can break it down for uh, like throws that were over 10 yards or something like that. Okay. That might be interesting. I think I can do that. So look into it. That's interesting. Who was number one uh, in the at time of catch? Eli Manning. <laughs> well, that actually does sort of make sense. Play with Odell yeah, and Saquon. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that all throws or completions? Uh, no, that is completions. Oh, that's completions. Yeah. I could see that being a little bit different than just all throws. There's another stat that uh, NFL.com keeps. It's like um, how many tight window throws are they attempting? Mm-hmm. It's like within a yard or a defender's within a yard or mm-hmm. less. And last year, Wentz ranked first in those. First in those. So he was Most attempts. Attempting a lot okay. of those. And this year, he's around 19. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll yeah, I don't know. Crunch some of, of them and try to draw some conclusions. Okay, well, I look forward to that. Okay. Uh, my takeaways: Are they building the right kind of offense? Yeah. I mean, no speed. Well, I mean, you can make the case that the the ultimate design of the offense is to is to be able to control the ball a little bit, right? To yeah, big time. Uh, to limit. The kinds of opportunities to opposing offenses that you saw last night. That's true. Um, but they are not good enough to do that. I mean, yeah, uh, that's great in theory, but in practice, it has not worked out. And obviously, they're missing some pieces, especially some kind of like it. It does feel like, as much as I bemoan uh, any kind of investment in the running back position, that the way that the offense is designed, it sort of needs some kind of uh, pass-catching element out of the running back. And that's maybe why they they have, uh, you know, to our derision of them, you know, continued to count on Darren Sproles as a big part of the offense. Yeah. Although last year, I believe I looked, I think I looked this up. Right. They had the fewest receiving yards from the running back position of any team in the NFL. Right. So they weren't, like, going to that constantly last year. I you know what? Although they did lose Sproles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know it's all like uh, running backs don't matter, and I'm not for you know using a top five pick, but like get somebody who at least defenses like know their name, yeah, or have to worry about a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There is a line there where it goes from you're viewing the running back as too important, and then I think there's this nice window where you say we're not going to overinvest, but let's get some good players there. And then there's kind of where they are, which is just like, who are these guys? And defenses don't right. care at all, and they're giving you nothing. I mean, it's nice to have another option when some, one thing's not working to at least be able to go to it, whether it's running the ball or uh, using them in the receiving game. Like you said, like they just don't have that option available to them. I guess there are different ways to sort of build teams in 2018. I mean, one is build the juggernaut offense. That's the, the Chiefs, Rams, and the Saints. 
probably the hardest to do, but maybe the best to do, it seems like, right now, given the rules and the way games are being played. You could go, like what you said, the Eagles route and say, well, we're going to, you know, we want to have a more explosive element, but at the same time, we can string together long drives. And I guess the Saints are a little bit like this. We can string together long drives. That's going to help our defense, shorten the uh, amount of possessions that a team like the Chiefs and the Rams might have if we play them. And then, I mean, the other one would be, like, to go all in on the defense, which seems like the stupidest way to do it now. I mean, yes. you have to, like, just luck into a Seahawks-style, you know, from five years ago type defense to even have a shot. And, I mean, even then they needed to do other stuff. But that seems like the hardest way to do it. And, uh, you know, Ertz was asked, like, could, could you guys compete in a shootout like we saw with the Rams and the Chiefs last night? I mean, you were able to last year. He was like, yeah, I mean, I don't see a huge difference in the personnel we have, personnel they have. And I, I don't know, I was trying to, like, think about that. You know? I mean, it's not a, theoretically, it's not a huge difference. Both of those teams have dynamic running backs. And they have the big vertical threat. Yeah. I mean, Cooks and uh, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And then yeah, Hunt. That's and a big, That's a huge difference. So those are probably the. I mean, those are probably the two biggest differences. I mean, if you if you give me the Robert Woodses and the Cooper Cups, and right. I mean, Kelsey's obviously very good. But I don't know. You, you can obviously you're on sort of a, a similar level there at tight end. Right. You give me Sammy uh, Watkins isn't doing anything. You had uh, you had Deshaun Jackson and uh, I don't know Philip Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Now we're talking to the Seagulls' offense. It'll be an exciting off season. Well, that's true. I don't know. Does that give you hope? Are they that close? Could would that make that big? Would that make a huge difference? Now I'm not saying specifically those guys, um, but players like quality players at those two spots: vertical threat and running back. Kind of yeah, I think that does Maybe make a it does big difference. Make a huge yeah. difference. I mean, obviously, offensive line. I know someone was getting on us for not mentioning the. Right. Offense. I don't know. I. I mean, I didn't watch that last game and think the offensive line is the reason they scored seven points. It's not great. It's mediocre. I would say this year, as opposed to uh, one of the best in the NFL last season, and it does feel like in some key spots they're totally letting, um, letting the offense down, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't watch that Saints game and think the offensive line is why they're only scoring seven points and losing by 41. I don't know how you feel about it. I agree with that. Okay. Other uh, takeaways. All right, so water gun to your head. Which quarterback are you taking right now? Taking Mahomes, aren't you? Wentz or Mahomes? Anybody, any, anyone in the league for the next uh, 10 years. Uh, I think I probably would take Mahomes. Yeah, I think so, too. He hasn't been injured. Feels like he's doing a lot at the line of scrimmage too, doesn't it? I mean, for it seems like feels a little bit like the uh, opposite of whatever we're told about golf. Like I don't know, he was up there making changes. The play clock was getting down to two. It always makes me so nervous mm. when they're in shotgun. But well, why do they get? The why line. do they get the extra <laughs> half second? Why like? Why is that just you an know accepted what? He rule? He did it on one yesterday, and I'm like, mm. oh, he should he should have got. How about that. Andy yelling at Jared Goff? That was my favorite part. That, that was, was my good. favorite part of the game. That yeah. was fun. That was fun. He was right too. And then that, uh, I hate when they let the play a key play go off when the other team calls oh, timeout. Isn't that I mean, brutal? They it anyway. I think isn't that brutal? You've been waiting all game oh, to set I'm that up. It. Yeah. Ugh. 
I was like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Shouldn't there be some way to tell them? Yeah. Mm. Don't snap the ball. You're going right. to getting screwed here. Mm. Aaron Donald, but I mean, you know, I was thinking about how we've said Fletcher Cox has played well this whole season. He last few games he's been a little quiet, and he's not doing that. I mean, right. with all due respect, correct? Um, yeah. So I mean, that was uh, game wrecking on the biggest stage. You know, that's right. Like, well, I mean, and that tells you we've talked about this, but uh, in 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 today's NFL, you know. Turnovers probably creating turnovers yeah. is is more important than uh, you know building a solid foundational yeah. defense. Like you're going to give up points, but if you can create those big plays, that's that's really what matters. Yeah, it, it's like I mean they gave up however many points they gave up fifty points, right? But they scored two touchdowns. Yeah, I feel like it, it's sort of like the uh, old Colts model. It's like build mm. the juggernaut offense, and then listen. One of these years. Like, try to add as much as you can to the defense. Right. One of the years. Freeney and Mathis. Yeah. yeah like. A couple of years, it'll come through. You'll get lucky with some turnovers, have a good red zone defense. That'll probably be enough to win the Super Bowl. Right. Or give you a chance. Yeah. It's fair. Uh, yeah, it is all about uh, scoring and then creating turnovers. Like, who are the stout defenses in the NFL? Right. Like, there's no defense that could hang. I, I guess the Bears might be interesting Pretty if, good, they, if right? they played one of, one of these teams, but that's one. Right. There's literally like not another one in the NFL where you're like, all right, they could slow these teams down. So, what did you think of all the flags early on? Some of them are weird. Why? I don't. I wh- they wh- were all legit. Why was there a, a mixed crew? I, I don't know. I didn't understand. I don't. Because I didn't the, get the explanation. Was co- it because of the the Mexico City game? thing? I but like, I have no idea. I didn't get that. Yeah, because that's weird. Uh, well, I thought the I thought the you know that Andy had to challenge that that one pi was tipped was dumb. That was a that was a very obvious. No, did he get charged for the timeout first? There, I think he did, and that's Sweet. what he was. That's that, one of the things he was complaining well, about. Someone should have just yelled, "Dude, don't call timeout!" Just yell. well, I think it hadn't been shown there, yet. there was an argument that I don't know if he answered this after the game, but that he was saying he was making the motion for the ball was tipped. Uh-huh. And they oh, gave him, and they charged him so with bad. a timeout. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's possible. I don't know if that is actually what happened. That's juicy. That would be a very Andy way to get charged with a timeout. I know it still makes me nervous. Some of this, like some of the stuff with him. It was fun though. Pretty I'm excited. I will game. be. You know, if the Eagles are, if we're just watching the playoffs from home, I think I'll be rooting for Andy. Yeah, probably. All right, two quick things. A quick Pecknest Migrate, which we forgot about after the game that I wanted to give you. Pecknest Migrate, uh, this is from Daniel Ruddle. Pathetic uh, post-game platitudes. Triple P. Okay. We need, to get, uh, we need to take a good hard look in the mirror. Oh, migrate. I don't even need to hear the other two. Hats off to blank. They get paid too. Oh, go wait. All right, maybe it's a good one. And then uh, we gotta show up on Tuesday, roll up our sleeves, and get to work. <laughs> I think those were all ones I read Peterson <laughs> for in my uh, day after piece. Um, you know what? I hate. The, I hate though they get paid too when the other team sucks. That's what <laughs> yeah, really annoys me. Yeah. Like if you want to, li- if you if you lose to the Saints and you say they get paid too, right, you gotta tip right, your hat. You know, that's you know. fine. When you're, you know, when you yeah. listen to the Titans, yeah. blowing the game. Yeah. Don't tell me about them getting paid yeah. too. Uh, the mirror, and really, this is a new one for me. The mirror had not gotten to me until this year, and uh, the amount of times they've looked in the mirror 
after these losses. It must be one of those rooms where there's like a mirror on both sides, and so they're just seeing the infinite reflecting mirrors. You ever do mirrors. one of those makeup mirrors? Is that what it's called? The ones that are like really uh, magnifying, where you're like up close and you can see like uh, yeah, every blemish on every your every deficiency yeah. that yeah. you're. <laughs> they need one of those. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be scary. They really, too many. Yeah. That's what they need. Um, so I will. I will migrate the mirror. I guess I'll uh, nest the, the roll up the sleeves, and I'll peck the. Uh, they get paid too. Yeah, because in some instances you can use that once a year. Yeah. Wait till you face the really good team, and then you can use it. Uh, I want to be different for the sake of being different, but I think I think I may I might agree with you because like we got to show up on Tuesday and get our sleeves. You know, we got to get back to work on Tuesday, get in the film room. It is like it's like a meaningless, uh, like empty thing. Just like you know, it is what it is, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, they were. Although, about I don't to, know. They were about the to mirror have... one. I think you could. You could, I could peck the mirror. Well, maybe once <laughs> yeah, a year, mirror. you can look at the mirror. Kill that. Yeah, I guess. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. They were about to go have their film session. I think mm-hmm. after the locker room, right? Yeah, that's what it sounded you, like. You think Jenkins is just calling people out left and right? Maybe. Hopefully. All right. Last thing. Did quick. You, oh, I thought you did two. Can, oh, is that what's a quick two? Okay. Can you? Yeah. It's, it's a uh, Rachel's birthday. It's a, it's her birthday oh, today. Happy birthday! So we, you know, I think we played a game once uh, last year for your wife's birthday. Oh boy! So we'll do one this year. Uh, this is uh, I have I have the list of NFL players who have been who were born on November twentieth, and there are three Eagles on here that I'm going to have you guess. Current Eagles? No. Oh, that would have been something. Uh, the first one was on the team from 1998 to 2009. Long career, and was a he has an alliterative name. That will be my guess, my clue to you. He has the fourth highest career approximate value of anybody born on November twentieth. What side of the ball? Offensive. First is Dwight Stevenson. Second is Mark Gastineau, and third is Joey Galloway. Two can you name? 2009. I will give you an extra hint. He, at one point after retiring, ended up on the Eagles coaching staff. Trey Thomas. That is correct. Happy birthday to Trey. Two, can you name the player who is 16th on the uh, career approximate value list for players born on November 20th? He was on the Eagles from 2007 to 2013. That's it? That's all you're giving me? He is not American. Not American, 2007 to 2013. So he was here for Chip's first year. Sounds like. What side of the ball? Special teams? Yes. It's now a giveaway, I think. Not really. I can't think of any... uh, any punters or kickers? Who is their kicker? Is it their kicker or their punter? <laughs> I'm not answering that. The non-American should give it away at this point. Dirk Johnson? Is that his name? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who's that guy's name? It's Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> He's German. <laughs> Who is it? Sav Rocca. Oh, Sav Rocca. Okay. Last one. Two, can you name the player who was on the Eagles from 2011 to 2012? He was a sixth-round draft pick. 
And Ryan Roll. That is correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the best sixth round pick. Yes. Ever. For that uh, for that celebration alone. The time ago. Wonderful. All right, that's all we got. Okay. All right, back tomorrow night on WIP from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Birds with Friends Radio. We will uh, talk a little bit more about this Eagles team on fire and do a, a little mini preview of the of the Giants game. For Shield, I'm Bo. Happy holidays to everybody. And as always, we love you. <laughs>